In this episode of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, you'll discover the conspiracy theory that my guest almost got caught up in and why he tried to spread around Trump rallies. Welcome to Escaping the Rabbit Hole, hosted by former conspiracy theorist Antonio Perez, author of Converting Conspiracy Theorists. Antonio looks at conspiracy theories from multiple angles, such as how do conspiracy theorists impact their family and friends? How can they escape the grip of conspiracy theories? And why do they fall down the rabbit hole in the first place? You'll discover strategies to set clear boundaries with people stuck in dangerous conspiracy theories and improve your mental well-being. Here's your host, Antonio Perez. Aloha, this is Antonio with EscapingTheRabbitHole.com. Today, I have a very special guest. This is my friend, James Hazelrig. I know him from the hypnosis community. I have not talked to him in about two years. It's good catching up. How are you doing, James? I'm doing great. Doing great. How have you been? Uh, been inundated by a bunch of um, QAnon buffoonery. <laughs> I've, uh, it's what? Beginning of the pandemic, I um, I had used Core Transformation, you know, from NLP slash hypnosis to um, cut out Facebook. I cut it out for about a month or two. Then I got an email from uh, Mark Andre, yeah, an email from the Andreas family from Mark Andreas saying that they were starting a online practice group. And if I I want to join the practice group i could go to the facebook group find a practice partner so part of me is like i don't know if i should do that i'm like okay i knew crazy stuff was happening on facebook i've been away from like two months from like march april march and april i forget what it was it was like i was out for like two months at the beginning of the pandemic so i'm like you know i know there's crazy stuff happening i'm like let me just i was like let me just check it as soon as i opened facebook just wham freaking got hit with all this QAnon buffoonery and anxiety was through the roof and I'm like oh my god like this was not the smartest thing I've ever done we actually mentioned in um my book here's my shameless plug congratulations thank you when I um got if only if I knew somebody that knew how to edit books I should have contacted you (laughs) I uh in the book I mentioned how one of the dumbest things I've done was was going back to Facebook during a global pandemic got conspiracy theories were everywhere (laughs) or still everywhere so can you um, describe your what your specialty is within hypnosis and 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 can maybe explain how how your unique ability in hypnosis ties into all the stories that we tell ourselves? Sure. So yeah, I'm known within the hypnosis community as a hypnotic storyteller, um, and because the way that I look at it. Hypnosis is about changing things about yourself, especially at the identity level. And um, identity is a story you tell yourself about yourself. It's built up from things that your parents told you as a child that you took on or that you rejected and told yourself the totally opposite story because you didn't like the one they gave you. So uh, in my practice, I essentially consider that people come to me with a bad story and I help them get a better story. So I do sometimes train other hypnotists in how to use storytelling as part of that change work. James, what's your website? Are you still selling your hypnotic storytelling? Sure. So yeah, I have a hypnoticstorytelling.com. I have a couple of courses up there. Yeah. And um, one of them, I'm going to have to plug my ears so you can start telling the story about the elephants. If you get a chance, listen to a story <laughs> about elephants. So that, yeah, that that's on YouTube, uh, uh, Trunk to Tail, the elephant stories. I'll, uh, I'll put the video below this if you're on my website. I um, I remember the first... It might have been the first conference I met you at Hypno Thoughts in Vegas, and you were you were telling this story, and it uses nested loops. Can you describe what what a nested loop is within stories? Sure. So a nested loop is a story within a story, uh, very simply. And when you when you do a story within a story, you tie up some of your listeners' bandwidth, which translates to their their ability to kind of break down and reject things that you're saying (laughs) so if you if you loop a bunch of stories within stories then their mind kind of gets confused and becomes a little bit more suggestible so that's one reason why uh, hypnotists use nested loops it's it's not a requirement by any means stories are 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 hypnotic but it's a fun thing to do and i was showing off 
by looping way too many stories many <laughs> together. Stories deep was that like twenty? No, no, it's it's like I think it's eleven, something like that. That's a yeah. lot of stories, and you had a pra- I'm sure you had a, had practice that. Yeah, yeah, I practiced it, and I I had a chart. Um, I I never quite got around to memorizing the chart that I could do it without glancing at the chart. That was one of my goals, but then uh, I got distracted from it. And, uh, you know, it's not a big deal to look down occasionally. Yeah, definitely. If you get a chance, um, I'm almost getting a little trancy. It's funny. I was thinking about that class, <laughs> and I, I, if I, just hearing that story, I started kind of nodding off to La La Land. That's one one of his little toys with me if I, i'll talk to him he starts changing his voice starts talking about the elephants my elbow i'm gonna zone I out i don't know what you're talking about i mean the way that it should be really easy to follow the train of the conversation the way that an elephant knows his way through yeah. the okay. jungle and we, just, oh. we, i need to keep <laughs> focused with this talk but yeah i'm gonna have that video um below this subscribe to the podcast by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com add your first name and best email to the form and smash the button that says get the podcast you'll get instant access when the newest episodes are released plus you'll get the first three chapters of antonio's newest book sent directly to your email so i have a question Hmm. we talked about this briefly i know you read the description of my podcast and you said that you weren't you didn't identify with yourself as a conspiracy theorist, but then you had a little shift. Can you um, just uh, explain that? Yeah. So, so yeah, like you said, I looked at that. And I'm like, well, he interviews former conspiracy theorists. Well, I was never a conspiracy theorist. And then I thought, wait a minute. Uh, you know, in, in my youth, I, uh, I rebelled against my secular humanist parents by becoming a fundamentalist Christian. And I, Wait, I that's realized it's usually the other way around. Yeah, it sure is. It sure. Well, there aren't, there are not nearly as many secular humanist parents right out there. Um, so, so, you know, I, uh, uh, I, I rebelled by not going on drugs and by not doing all, all the crazy, scary things people usually do. So in a way, you know, it, it wasn't the worst of things, but, but what I felt like when, when I, um, uh, stepped in, into religious fundamentalism was that my eyes had been open. I was awakened to a hidden layer of reality that I had not known existed, that reality was a war between the forces of good and the forces of evil, and I was a soldier behind enemy lines for the forces of good, and everything that I could see around me, I could recognize as some sort of plot by satan to to draw me off into a sinful existence and uh, sure there were a lot of people who thought i was completely ridiculous and silly but that that just reinforced my identity as a fundamentalist christian um and this you know this meant that when you know when most kids are going oh wow you know i really want to kiss girls i'm like no 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 um i did i did want to kiss girls i wanted to kiss girls a lot but no that's that's sinful that's i shouldn't do that until after marriage right now fortunately um i my my parents essentially at one point just said no you're not going back to that church and they they did their best to kind of deprogram me from that and it was a very painful difficult experience for all of us um but i did essentially um recognize that there there were things at the basis of the fundamentalist christian belief that i didn't agree with and that i didn't like and so um i was able to kind of break free from it um but i i understand that appeal that that feeling that um well everybody else is is just wrong they've all had uh the wool pulled over their eyes but i've seen the real thing and this is an existential battle between uh good and evil between supernatural forces in some cases that are behind the scenes can i add something sure 
let me ask, see if this lines up with you. So in my another shameless plug, go to Amazon, grab my book, Consp- Converting Conspiracy <laughs> Theorists. In uh, chapter two, I, I, I something I call the FAME model, F-A-M-E. First mm-hmm. part, this explains, at least for me, F stands for feeling powerless and wanting to be seen as a hero. Mm-hmm. A lot of conspiracy theorists, I don't know if this applied to you in the fundamental Christian uh, religion that you got caught up in. A lot of people, I think, see themselves as a victim, but they want to be the hero at the same time. Oh, yeah. It's the evil forces. Uh, A is apophenia. That's just like, you know, connecting the dots. Mm. M is misinformation. And I think the biggest one is E, external locus of control. It's the evil forces. It's us versus them. It's the evil people out there that are trying to, it's the devil. They're trying to ruin our life. Yeah. Well, and. And, you know, um, I, I was fascinated by conspiracy theories as well. I remember I, I read the Illuminatus trilogy by Robert Anton Wilson, and, and he's still one of my favorite writers. My shelf somewhere, but I, I haven't read it, but I've heard that it was almost like a like a like satire about conspiracy. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And and I he it's it's. It's hard to even describe it. Some people have, have called it the uh, the literary equivalent of dropping acid, um, and it 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 does it it messes with you. It really does. But um, but but it's a it's a, a great uh, set of books. And the thing is that 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 all makes for really good stories uh, because stories aren't just random events. Stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. They have a point. They have a conflict. Um, and trying to break free from that, while, while you can briefly break out of that in storytelling and it's fresh and new and exciting, it very quickly drives people nuts, uh, which was the problem with Game of Thrones, right? Uh, he sets up these really interesting characters and then nothing comes of them. They all die. Right. And you're like, ah, right. Cause we don't want our stories to go like that. At first we're like, Oh wow. That would be bold. Wow. That was brave. And then, you know, a couple seasons in your life is pointless. Why am I watching this? It's totally depressing to me. And they had to stop doing that. They had to, you know, so the thing is that when, when you're telling a story, you have to come up, you have to edit reality to make things interesting. And there are a few, a few things as exciting as the idea of um, a, a conflict between good and evil and a big war. I mean, it's the Matrix, right, is the same kind of thing. Uh, and, of course, it's, it's really interesting to me that, you know, the Matrix was made by a couple of trans people. Um, yes. I who, love the metaphor right? of the red pill. Yeah, and and yet somehow the the total opposite side has glommed on to, but but the thing is that logic doesn't have to come in. Yeah. To this, there there is there is a weird messed up logic, but there's not uh, a strict sound logic that works out. Did you, uh, um, were you aware? Were you aware that the um, with the red pill metaphor, you uh, the Wakas. Wachowski sisters talk about the red pill is uh, alluding to um, uh, trans hormone. Did you hear about that? No, I hadn't heard about that, but wow, that's, that's an interesting thing. Uh, I knew that. It is that funny, like, but, it's funny how these, sorry, these incel yeah. right wing uh, type talk about yeah. red pill. I'm like, you know, they're talking, I, I'm pretty sure Wachowski <laughs> sisters right. talk about it being trans pills. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's uh, that's it, it's yeah. That's just kind of nuts. Um, but the thing is that life is more interesting if you can tell yourself those stories instead of recognizing that you know shit happens. And I, what what really made me understand something fundamental about the world was when I got my first actual sort of job job you know I tried all through high school to get you know summer jobs I applied at McDonald's I did all I and and nothing would really pan out I'd you know end up doing odd jobs mowing lawns and stuff like that but I didn't really work anywhere uh, until finally in college 
I got a job at Wendy's. And up till that point, I had had this impression that, that the world, or at least the adult world, worked in some kind of organized, planned way. I know, I know, now it seems ridiculous, but you know, I was, I was, you know, 19 years old, right? And so I, I got this job and I realized that it doesn't work in an organized, planned way. It just stumbles along from day to day. And if something is done in a particular way today, it's because some idiot did it that way yesterday and we're just reproducing the thing that the last idiot did. And I, I came to understand. You're, you're describing AI, I think. How is it? <laughs> well, in a, in a way, yes. That's, yeah. that's true. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. AI, uh, not to detract from that point, but uh, I think they're talking about how AI now, like, it's starting to, oh, sure. it's starting to train itself on stuff it's created. Well, well, yeah, and and I mean that that's the thing is that that AI produces believable but not reliable information. Yeah. Uh, I I actually asked AI um, about myself, and it spit out what would have looked like a real good uh, bio for my website. Only it mentioned it kept mentioning, and I kept saying, "No, this that's not right. That's not right." It kept saying that I was a member of various hypnosis organizations that I'm not a member of. Wait, you're not a cat, right? <laughs> no. Well, I might be. I could uh, be a cat. Uh, you know what I'm I, alluding. I, you know what I'm alluding. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, for people that are watching, this is going to be out of uh, context. There was a uh, hypnosis organization that somebody wanted to prove how paper certifications are BS. They mm. basically got their kitty cat certified. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's uh, but I, I've, 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 I actually, I actually did an ad for one of my trainings. It was about a cat that wanted to get hypnosis training, <laughs> and and uh, took him and, and took him through all of his adventures. You know, and, and uh, anyway, was was uh, that was that alluding to the the one organization? Well, no, I mean, no, it was it was a serious ad because when I when I was when I cared about trying to market myself, which you know. I, marketing myself all that much anymore honestly but but when i did i realized the internet is a great way to market yourself and people love cat videos so i had a cat i have a cat video out there about a cat who wants to quit smoking and it's it's the cutest quit smoking ad ever made uh it's it's simply adorable with all of this funny stuff with the cats and so i i did a similar one you know for a hypnosis training i did you know, uh, with this, this cat looking off into the distance. And he said, said, he asked himself, what am I doing with my lives? Yeah, anyway. Uh, so we, we got pulled away. What right, were we talking right. about? Because, because again, I was using a story. Yeah. What were we talking about? Gosh. Um, so, so the, uh, it's exciting to, to tell yourself these stories about being in a struggle and, Unfortunately, that is more exciting than reality. Um, and that's why we tell stories. Stories are more exciting than reality because they are edited reality. But, but if you start believing your stories too much, they can end up being detrimental or, or they can end up being beneficial. But stories end up shaping reality. They end up shaping perception. They end up shaping policy. So, um, you know, everybody agrees child trafficking and child molestation are terrible things. Everybody agrees on that. There there is, I mean, even, even people who are doing it would say this is a terrible thing. Right. Well, okay. Maybe the traffickers don't, but I'm pretty sure that 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 actual people who are who are engaging in child molestation hate themselves. Good human. You don't. You can be a shitty person. You still agree. But you still agree it's terrible. The thing is that um, because we have portrayals like you know this recent movie. Um, where it's all daring do and adventure. And it, it, I, I under, I haven't seen it. I recently read a review of it. 
Um, I don't want to give them my money, though it turns out that there are a bunch of churches buying up tickets to let people see it for free, uh, which proves how, how actually successful it is. Anyway, um, apparently it starts with a montage of children being snatched off the street. And the, the thing is, and, and, the, and they didn't start this trope. This trope has been with us through cop shows and all kinds of things for ages. Blame, the blaming, child molester. Blaming Jews for thousands of years for. Well, um, well yes. Kids, yeah. Right. We even, even, you know, even not touching on the whole blood libel thing, which, you know, um, but, but just that there's some sort of scary other, um, you know, the creepy guy who drives the white van, you know, and says, hey, kid, want some candy, right? But the vast, the overwhelming majority of child molestation and child trafficking cases are not that. In most cases, the child knows the abuser. In most cases, um, the, uh, the, the, the children, and the, they're legally children, but let's face it, they're not prepubescent. They're 16 and 17 year olds who are being trafficked by people that they know and probably refer to as their boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, so they don't realize they're being trafficked a lot of times. And why would they? Their story is about children who get snatched by someone in a white van. Yeah. So, so they don't even know to report because that's not the story they've been told. And, and so then you get to government policy, you know, what what do what does the government need to look out for you get into policing policy um i'm old enough to remember the satanic panic of the 80s and again because of stories that were told and unfortunately there was a hypnotist responsible for a lot of it uh lawrence pastor um who was now he wasn't one of our hypnotists he's one of those those darn phd psychologist hypnotists right who uh, who started using um, regression to find out what was wrong with this attractive young woman who was his patient who ended up becoming his wife? Uh, that's weird. And she remembered all of There's these things. Ethics, ethics issues there. Well, yeah, yeah, serious ethics issues. But under hypnosis, she remembered all of this terrible satanic ritual abuse that her entire little town up in 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 uh uh um canada over on the western western edge of canada um that the whole town was just full of of satanists right the whole freaking town I mean, and, they're, they're, they're Canadian, so eh. Uh, yeah, no, no. Well, I've met Canadians. They're nice people. They're not, oh, no, they they're not doing that. They're not doing that. They're, uh, not, they're but, not Satanists by and large. Right, right. But the thing is, she told him these stories. He wrote down these stories and believed her and published it all in a book, Michelle Remembers. And people went, he's got a PhD. This must be real, right? And so that story got spread. And so while you had um catholic priests abusing the altar boys that they knew right while you had you know people actually you know committing these terrible crimes the police were focused on satanic ritual abuse and people went around making their careers out of of giving talks to the police because you know what is more exciting for a police officer than just going through your daily grind of dealing with Joe who gets drunk too much, believing that you are a soldier for God in a battle against evil, right? So, so these kinds of stories end up motivating people and affecting public policy. Um, so we need to be very careful about the stories that we tell because stories are compelling in a way that statistics are not. You know, I can say 85% of uh, the people who are trafficked are 16 and 17-year-olds who were forced out of their family because they're gender non-conforming. A question where... That's um, a statistic. I always <laughs> like to, um, since I've escaped from conspiracy theories, what uh, what's your source for that? Please do not tell me, do your own research. Oh, God, go Google it. Okay, well, actually, so I read that, and and... 
full disclosure, I might be misquoting the statistic. I did not write it down. It was in an article which I read today, which was in Rolling Stone magazine. Okay. Um, but if you if you and and it's an article about Sound of Freedom. So if you were to look up that article, you no doubt could follow that footnote uh, to find out where they got that statistic. Wow! Thank yeah. you for thank so, you for bringing a source to the. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Source research. Oh my God. Well, and what, yeah. Anyway, uh, it, it's not really suitable for the podcast, but when we're done, I, I'll, I'll have to tell you a cite your source story uh, that was interesting recently. Okay. After the but, podcast. Right. But, but the thing is that it's, um, it, it's, it's the culture war, right? Is a matter of battles for story. It's figuring out who's going to control the narrative and um, creating this narrative where, you know, it's really easy to imagine that there are these scary Colombian gangs, right? Those darn brown people, um, Antonio Perez, uh, you know, who are, you're one of the good ones. You're yeah. American. You're not, you're not like those guys. No, right? I'm not like those guys. I'm, I'm one of the good guys. Yeah. And so it, it's uh, it's really easy to get people riled up to hate the other and to not look at things like, um, you know, in the cases where it's not gender conforming teens essentially being driven out of their home by their parents bigotry, it's cases of poverty. There are people in in uh, countries, possibly even the US, who are so poor that they will sell their children. And so if we want to really combat um, this problem, we need to combat poverty, right? But, but combating poverty isn't exciting because you can't shoot poverty, yeah. right? You, you can't you can't you can't hide somebody from poverty for a few hours and then let them free from poverty. You know right? what you do? What you do is you get Julia Roberts on there because she always in, uh, in all those movies. You get Julia Roberts, right? You get Julia Roberts, and she'll she'll solve the problem, right? And and you know, yes, and there there are heroic things. There are are great, bold, brave people, and and there are people doing really important work. But so much of it is not exciting uh, and I, I almost feel like I'm betraying my 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 own profession as a storyteller because I I like to tell exciting stories and I I cast my client struggles as a a battle or as them coming into their own as a superhero because that's a more exciting story than you know wow I got over my anxiety yeah. you know <laughs> uh, but stories are a force and a force can be used for good or for bad. It has a dark side and a light side like duct tape. Um, so we, we have to, when we're examining a story say, Hey, wait a minute, you know, who's telling this story? Who does this story benefit? I have a question. Why would somebody want me to believe this story? And, and those are questions that conspiracy theorists already ask. Is your mental and emotional health being affected by a loved one trapped in conspiracy theories? If so, discover how Antonio can help you set clear boundaries and reclaim your mental well-being. Book your free 20-minute consultation call by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com slash call. That's escapingtherabbithole.com forward slash C-A-L-L. Let's say somebody is listening to this that is a conspiracy theorist and they... um. And maybe they're having doubts about things. What's a good way that they can reframe or uh, other questions that they can ask themselves to kind of pull themselves out of it? So I would, I would say, okay, what is the more likely scenario? Not, not the more exciting scenario, not the more appealing scenario, but the more likely scenario, because my, my opinion and I didn't come up with this, I read this somewhere, but I, it made sense to me and seemed likely. Conspiracy theorists are people who would prefer that the world is run or misrun by evil rather than incompetence. Stupidity. 
And, and I, have, I, have, I, I have realized that you cannot underestimate the power of human stupidity. Uh, and, and that in, in most cases, yeah, it, it's possible that somebody does have it out for me. But it's more likely that they're just incompetent. You know, um, and, and, and sure, some crappy things are done by design, but do I really believe that there is a massive conspiracy out there to, uh, to, to make things crappy? Or do I think that people are just incompetent? And I think people are incompetent. Um, I, I think that there are some who try really hard to do some good things and can't manage to get them done. Um, there are some people who try hard to do good things and do get them done. And those are inspiring stories, but they rarely get it done through adventure, through daring do, you know. Um, look, I was a kid. I played d and I still play d and um, You know, and I love the idea of being a hero who can smite the bad guys and not question whether or not they're good guys or bad guys. You, you know. know. Funny story about Dungeons and Dragons. I, um, I, I might pull you this. I, I played one game. I was in seventh grade. And ever since I was like five or six, I was interested in hypnosis. My grandma had, I think, Dave Elman's book. So I was enthralled by it. So I got invited to play Dungeons and Dragons. I'd always heard about it. And I'm like, so how do I do it? Like, you make your, your character. I'm like, oh, well, like, what can I be? They're like, anything. I'm like, anything? They're like, anything. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm a hypnotist. I'm a hypnotist. And they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I make you do stuff. Bro, I was pissing people off. Like, every dice roll, I was like, I make you. <laughs> oh, I was pissing people off. I was like, I make you uh, walk, like, uh, head in the toilet. So just really annoying stuff. So I basically yeah. got out. Yeah. yeah yeah well you know there's there's a it, it's funny how we we gravitate towards certain things <laughs> and of course once you become a hypnotist you find out uh, it doesn't really work like the stories say yeah um and and it is both more wonderful and less exciting <laughs> you know it really is cool when when i realize wow I was able to help this person get to a better place in their life or overcome this really big problem. Um, but I also can't just, you know, wave my hands and have all the bank tellers give me all the money and forget about it. Yeah, it's you know. Exciting for the client, I think, because a lot of the, the skills that we use for things like shifting like an emotion, using different visualization techniques to like just to bring confidence up, that's common for us. We were like, yeah, cool. Right. It's that's like a true. It's a party trick for us. But when somebody that's never had an experience of being able to shift out of anxiety rapidly, it's mind blowing. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And that's a thing that, that we need to remember. Um, and I do try to try to frame it as something exciting for my clients. Like I said, uh, almost every client I get has some form of anxiety. And I always tell them, you know, with anxiety, you can affect your body's autonomic functions with your thoughts. That's pretty amazing. You think a worrying thought, your heart speeds up. You know, you change your brain chemistry by thinking these negative thoughts all the time. That's a superpower. But like all superheroes, you have misused your superpowers and you need to go to an old man with a gray beard to teach you how to use your powers properly. Are you ready, Paduan? Right? And, and I've had clients who go, oh, ooh, right? And that's a, a reframe. It's telling a person a new and different story. Um, the, the thing is that with, um, with conspiracy theories, these almost are, nobody... These are not the droids you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for, right? Yeah, yeah. I, lo I love going into the AT&T store and, you know, doing that. I've, I've done that I'm with guests. such a nerd. I had a guest that came up asking for... Um, bathroom once and as they're asking for a bathroom like these are not the droids you're looking for and then they just <laughs> kind of pause and they laughed and then and they forgot they had to go to the bathroom we started talking about whatever okay that's 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 one of my rules actually is if somebody asks where the bathroom is i don't mess with them i send them directly to the bathroom um but that's because of a story my father told me anyway uh no what, what i like to do is go to, go to the at&t store stand there staring at a, at a wall of android phones and when they come over and ask if they can help me i say these are not the droids i'm looking for you 
you know, anyway, that's, I bet they all, I bet they all crack up. I, I bet they've had it happen so many times. I think it's clever because I've never done it, but they've, they, you know, it's, it's, I played the fiddle. And so I've heard all, I, so many people have made the jokes about, Oh, just fiddling around, you know, and, and my wife has told me I'm not allowed to make fun of them when they do it. I have to smile, yeah. you know, uh-huh. instead of going, Oh, wow. Never heard that one before. You know, but very funny. My, my wife, you know, keeps me from being an asshole almost 70% of the time. That's good. But yeah, I know it's, it's important, but, but the thing is, we're, we're back to, to, you know, um, it's really appealing to tell yourself these awful stories because it's a lot more, I imagine that, uh, that there is a, a secret group of powerful people who are harvesting adrenochrome from children, right? And, and somehow that is more exciting than we actually caught Jeffrey Epstein, right? And, and how, do, how do we not have his, his client list, yeah. right? And so if, if you were going to glom onto conspiracy theories, you'd say, well, there probably is a cover, and there probably is a cover up there. You know, there probably are powerful people who don't want you to know that, but that's not because they're drinking adrenochrome or doing whatever you do with adrenochrome. I have no idea what they do with the adrenochrome. It's because they were shagging little girls, you know, teenage girls who were underage, right? And, and, and that's wrong. And so we need to stop being distracted. In fact, if I believe in any conspiracy theory, I believe that conspiracy theories are created to distract us from what's really going wrong in the world. So, so I'd say, I'd say, if you got a conspiracy theorist, tell them, oh man, you fell for it. You fell for it. The real conspiracy was getting you to believe those conspiracy theories. Oh, so get back to the real problem. You think the moon landing is fake? You believe in (laughs) believe in the moon? You believe in the moon? Come on, yeah, yeah, right. Well, clearly, clearly, the moon can't be a rock because rocks don't glow. Jesus, (laughs) and. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I respect you for being willing to engage. Um, I, I pretty much hit a point where like, no, no, I'm not, oh, no. I'm not going to, um, cause no. it's, it's, it's the tar baby. Engage, I'd rather engage with family members of conspiracy theorists sure. than conspiracy theorists because it's just. Yeah, because, and, and they, they need help and it, it is heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. I mean, you know, um. And what's so what's weird, too, is that, you know, I can say, well, okay, that that dude, he really swallowed the Kool-Aid. And I'm sure he's he's saying to himself, ah, that James, he really swallowed the (laughs) Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's weird. And I. I think people should buy your book and and learn because that it's it's something we need in this world because um, a lot of crazy people. Yeah, and but but recognizing that power that stories have and realizing that you can um, you can give a person a better story. And it's funny. I um I actually thought I might want to do a podcast on this in the future. That's if I keep going with this series, I don't know, I'm kind of up in the air about it. I like the idea of how do we create a conspiracy theory? Like, I wonder if we could create a conspiracy theory that would help to, like, um, oh, create like a vacuum effect that would break down, um, that would, how can we create a conspiracy theory that could help somebody to doubt themselves? Like, one, I thought when people, when all the anti-vax nonsense was coming about, I thought, I'm like, wow, I'm like, how about we just create a conspiracy theory that that you can detox from a harmful uh the harmful ingredients in a vaccine by throwing a crystal and some epsom salts in a hot bath just soaking it shoving the crystal up your ass and you'll detox from right yeah and you know i a lot of people would believe that a, a lot of people would well and and you know when uh and that's that's a much more benign than something I had in mind back when when I, I was wearing a mask, you know, anytime I was out in public. 
And I was really waiting for somebody to come hassle me about wearing a mask, right? And um, I, I, I even imagined I played through this scenario in my mind in which I was a brilliant hero. Um, but because that's that's how you prepare to take action is you you play it through in your mind and you tell yourself the story of how you want it to go. So it's almost like hypnosis. So the the story and it, it never it never happened. It never happened, unfortunately. But I was I imagined myself. I'm standing there at the gas pump and somebody comes up to me and says, Oh my God, I can't believe you're such a sheeple. You're wearing that mask. And I, I was ready to look at them and say, don't you know that Obama made sure that there were security cameras everywhere? And if you Google it, you will find out that security cameras have facial recognition software that doesn't work on black people. It only works on white people. That is a conspiracy against us. You idiot. I can't believe you're giving them your face. The only way to protect yourself is wear this mask. Right? And, and the funny thing is, like so many conspiracy theories, that has a, a, an inkling of truth. The first facial recognition software that that white engineers came up with, they tested on themselves, and it was not good at recognizing black faces. And and that wasn't because of some conspiracy to to you know. I, and I'm like, how on earth could that have even harmed? Uh, but but you know, they're like, oh, a lot of black people find that that the even the the software doesn't acknowledge them as humans. And I'm like, well, was it because of white people programming it? It was white people programming it and testing it on themselves. In other words, it was not evil. It was incompetence. Yep. And so, uh, but, but that inkling of truth is there. And I would start, I would just, my, the, the scene ends with me saying, Google it. And then just saying, bah, bah, bah at them until they run away. <laughs> bah, right. bah, bah. But uh, you know, it, it never know. happened. It never happened, perhaps because I had heard all the stories about people who are harassing mask wearers. Yeah. And those stories were probably vastly exaggerated. I, um, during the pandemic, I wanted to, I could have made a good amount of money. I was trying to find a, a, um, print on demand mask maker. I wanted to make one say like uncensored, uh, unvaxxed freedom. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because honestly, it would have been a good way to get those people to mask up and make money. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, well, yeah. And I, I mean, I did try very early on to start a rumor that going uh, to Trump rallies was, was the best way to avoid getting COVID in hopes of encouraging all those people to go and spread. But it didn't matter. My rumor never took off, but they still flocked to Trump rallies and people died. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, and, and that, that's the, the tough thing is it's like, you know, I mean, you can, you can get them to doubt, but, but the brain is really good at rationalizing. We're not rational creatures. We are rationalizing creatures and the brain is really good at rationalizing around things. Um, so you ever there's a, a documentary i assume it's still on netflix i don't know excuse me about flat earthers um and there is a brilliant a fascinating yeah. scene where they're talking to this one flat earther who's talking about all of the rumors and conspiracy theories about her that are that are floating around in the flat earth community and she says these are ridiculous i mean how can anybody believe these things and she 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 for a brief moment goes, Hey, if they're spreading all of that nonsense about me that I know isn't true, what if all the other stuff that I've been believing isn't true? No, 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 I I, I know the earth is flat. Right? She had this moment, she was almost there, right? But but that's what our brains do. We are very good at rationalizing. And it it takes training to keep yourself from doing it. And and even even people like me who think that we've gotten really good at it, we're still rationalizers. Yeah. You know. Did, um, we, we still do it. I think I think one of the other things is that actual science um 
is a method for approaching the truth. Um, but there are no absolute truths yeah. in science. And so science is a matter of coming up with the best hypothesis possible and testing it. And it, it, if a hypothesis can't be disproven by something, then if it can't theoretically be disproven, then it's not a good hypothesis. It has to be testable, right? Um, so if you say God exists, well, there's no way to disprove that or to prove it, right? So that's not a good hypothesis. Um, I happen to have my own beliefs about the divine, but I don't claim that I can prove them. Um, so science doesn't have that comforting certainty. Yeah. So early on, they were not encouraging people to put on masks because A, they were worried that there was going to be a giant shortage of masks and that the people who needed them the most, medical professionals, wouldn't be able to get them. Then they realized, okay, we do have enough. Let's go ahead and encourage people to put on masks. And, and the evidence was really obvious. There were, there were places where it's like, oh, wow, lots of people are masking up. Oh, look, they're not spreading this disease. Um, they, they said, it's probably not a good idea for everybody to crowd together in big groups. Now, over time, they came to understand that actually being outdoors in big groups was nowhere near as big a risk as being in a climate controlled space. Um, so for instance, the Texas Renaissance Festival opened up and I skipped that year, honestly. I was like, nope, I ain't going. I am not taking that risk. And they said they had rules about wearing masks, but they didn't enforce them. So there were massive numbers of people all gathered together. And actually there wasn't a giant spike in, uh, in uh, COVID. There was a giant spike in violence in the campground. And, and uh, people complaining about that online said, wow, it's weird. I'm like, oh, wow. if only there were, I don't know, some way to, to some litmus test to find out if somebody cares about the well-being of others. And then they could maybe wear something that indicates that they care about the well-being of others. And then if they don't wear that, you don't let them in. Yeah. And, and people were like, oh, wow, that sounds like a great idea. And then I'm like, there is. It's called a mask, you moron. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they're like, oh, blah, 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 you know, get all pissed off. But in, in hindsight, we looked at it and went, okay, it, it wasn't as big a risk for people to be gathered outdoors as it was for them to be gathered indoors, especially in climate controlled spaces. Now, um, the most dangerous situations, the big super spreader events were choir practices in churches because people are breathing out, right? And it's all going into that system and getting spread all right back into the air, everybody's breathing. And yet we couldn't stop those because of religious freedom. You can't stop me going to church. Now I knew a lot of churches that went online. Hey, and you, you know what? See, if you want to see God, go to church. Yeah, well, and here's the irony. God can still hear your prayer when you're at home alone. In fact, I'd swear that, I want to say Matthew chapter six, verses five and six say, be not as the hypocrite who stands on the street corner and preaches, but instead go in private into your closet and seek God alone. Isn't that similar? Um, it says, uh, let your right hand not know what your left hand does or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. But, uh, but the, you know, um, I just, I, as a kid, I always wanted to make sure God didn't know what either of my hands were doing. But, um, yeah, I, the, yeah. Like, oh, I know. I went there. Oh my God, I can't believe I went there. I was, I, I was gonna go there. I'm like, no, I won't. But you went there, so I, I but I went there. So you're, you're absolved from that. But, but the thing is, um, they were shutting down bars, right? Which, which actually weren't as big a risk as choir practices, uh, because at least people aren't singing as loudly in bars. There's usually one guy up there and he's away from others with a microphone singing, right? And on one hand, I was like, you know, well, a, a friend of mine got all up in arms because he plays bars all the time. And he was like, all these bars are getting shut down. I don't have a way to make a living. 
And I'm like, I understand your anger, but at the same time, we shouldn't be gathering in bars, theaters, or churches. But the churches were protected. Um, not from COVID, but they were protected by the First Amendment. And so, you know, these people who should have cared the most about others were gathering together, spreading the disease. Um, Wait, were they spreading gospel or were they spreading the disease? Well, you know, uh, which which is which? Uh-oh, I'm going to get all sorts of angry people now. Um, it's okay. I, I managed to get into arguments with, with, with Christians and atheists. Hazelrig. His name is James Hazelrig. His ah, address ah. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Um, but that, that's, that's the thing, though, is that um, conspiracy theories like religions give you a framework and they give you a sense of certainty. And certainty is comforting. There is no doubt that certainty is far more comforting than living in a state of doubt, yeah. which is, is what science has to be based on. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if we're ever really going to win that battle. <laughs> you know, speaking <laughs> of certainty, we're always going to seek certainty. And speaking of certainty, I realize. I wanted to keep this a half an hour, but I haven't caught up. Oh, Speaking of certainty, we need to wrap up. It's been a long yes, time. Yes, we do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So what, uh, what Thank if you. somebody wants um, wants to learn about hypnotic storytelling, you have hypnoticstorytelling.com. That's right. That's Put right. In this. Yeah. Um, I, have, I haven't done any podcast in quite a long time i did uh, i have like about two seasons of one called the hypnotic stories podcast which you can still find it is available um and includes some uh, some pretty decent examples of me and other people telling the stories so if you're into storytelling i hope you'll check that out and enjoy it thank you for coming on the podcast and i look forward yeah. to catching up with you soon <laughs> yeah definitely take care Thanks for listening to Escaping the Rabbit Hole. To get instant access to the newest episodes of the podcast and the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book, go to www.escapingtherabbithole.com and enter your first name and best email and smash the button that says, Get the Podcast.